0: So, I was studying this passage that we're going to dive into this week. It reminded me of a time, it was really foundational for me. I was reading a book, and I remember reading these lines that really impacted my life in a deep way. And it said, I mean, it rang so true at the core of every single one of us every man, every woman. In this church right now, at our core, we are desperately trying to answer the question, am I enough? Do I have what it takes? Am I worthy? Am I just destined to fail? Or do I have what it takes to succeed in what God has for me? I didn't even know consciously I was asking that question, but I promise you, just as it did me it does you it was driving me and it was crippling me not having the correct answer to that question that I didn't even know I was asking at the time am I enough do I have what it takes and maybe you word it different but I really believe that at our core all of us are asking that question and if you don't correctly answer it you'll be crippled by the fear that will follow that and I'm excited so I think in this passage, Paul unpacks for us, how do we correctly answer that question? Am I enough? I think there is wonderful peace and freedom that comes with correctly answering that question. So we're gonna kind of dive into that, and we're in 2 Corinthians 3. I'm gonna break it up into a couple parts, but even before we read, I want us to remember some of the context. Right? Paul plants this church in Corinth, and then he continues to travel around. And as he does that, some kind of what the Bible calls peddlers of God's word, some people that oppose Paul come into the church, and they are starting to attack Paul and get the Corinthian church to doubt Paul's validity of his ministry. And that's kind of the the main context for most of 2 Corinthians. So remember that as we dive in. Go ahead and follow along as I read 2 Corinthians 3, Verses 1 through 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Do so you see here Paul making his case? That reminds me if you've kind of seen this movie or maybe you've lived this movie. Kind of remind me of like those high school friends or you're good friends with people and then you go on summer break and somewhere in there, they kind of get newer, cooler friends and then when you come back, you're like, hey, and they're like, hey. <laughs> and then you realize like, wait, wait, are we still cool? Or now that you're friends with the cool kids, are we not cool anymore? And you're like, what is going on? Like two summers ago, you peed the bed at my house. How are you too cool for me now? (laughs) You kidding me? Like that's where Paul's at. Are you kidding me? I planted you as a church. I'm your spiritual father. Now I have to kind of argue for my validity in your life. This is crazy. Because these kind of cool kids, these new group of false apostles claiming to kind of be good Christians, but really it wasn't altruism. It's just covert narcissism disguised as altruism, which you got to be careful of. And so here we are, these guys pretending to be kind of good Christians, and now they're attacking Paul. Now, you kind of get to that point where you can't necessarily guess what they're saying, but you get a good idea. How are they attacking the validity of Paul's ministry? And did you see all that stuff about letters of recommendation? They're essentially saying, we don't have this practice a ton, but think of, you know, in college we still do that. You need a letter of recommendation to get into school. You need someone to vouch for you. And that's how they're attacking Paul. Like, man, who is this Paul? Who vouches? Where are his letters of recommendation? Who vouches for this guy? And again, we... We don't do this, and this was common, more common practice for them, but think of kind of endorsements in a book, right? What is the first couple pages you see? Oh, they endorse that. They endorse it. And I don't know whether I can trust you, but if somebody I trust vouches for you, well, then now I can trust you. And that's kind of what is going on here. They're asking for kind of who is vouching for Paul, and that's where Paul's like, are you serious? The fact that you are a church is my validation that I am a true apostle. He says, you know who wrote my letter? Jesus wrote my letter. You guys are my letter validating my ministry, right? The more impressive the endorsement, kind of the more validity to the ministry, right? If you're writing a book on finance, if you get Warren Buffett to endorse the book, it's like, oh, this guy must really mean something. You're writing a book on high-quality H2O. You get a Bobby Boucher endorsement. You're like, man, this must be legit. The greater the endorsement, the more that you can trust it. And essentially, who is Paul saying? Christ, by the very presence of the Spirit of God in your midst, is my endorsement. How in the world do I have to fight for this with you now? Kind of back to that core question, right? When we, all of us ask Man, do I have what it takes? That is hard for us all to answer in the best of circumstances. How do we feel when we're in a situation like this? They are are outright attacking Paul. Paul isn't legit. He doesn't have what it takes. He's not the real deal. You ever get a bad review? You ever get somebody kind of questioning you, man, now... That little ember of a question, am I good enough, becomes a blazing furnace of doubt and fear. Do I have what it takes? Now, in the midst of these just outright attacks, I want us to look at how does Paul feel? Does Paul feel threatened by this in question, and how does he answer that question, am I enough? So let's look at that. Where does Paul go with it? So This is kind of the rest of the passage we'll be studying Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So while Paul is being attacked and questioned, what does Paul feel? Confidence. He is not threatened at all. He feels completely confident because he knows how to correctly answer the question, am I enough? Do I have what it takes? And part of where I see that in this passage, so that word sufficiency, it shows up three times. That is just a synonym for enough. You could say not that we are enough. It is the definition I looked up, it is adequate in terms of degree. Something that is enough. We just kind of got back from Florida, humble Florida brag. So we were just traveling. And if you've ever traveled across, we had to cross the state. Anybody ever go drive across Alligator Alley, Route 75, the bottom of South Florida? A fair bit of people. And if you ever travel across that thing, there is nothing. We made the mistake. Our plane landed like, oh, we'll get some lunch on the way. And my kids, like hours later, like, we're starving. Like, unless you're going to eat an alligator, be quiet. There's nothing. Like, we're in the Everglades. Stop talking. And they, it was rough traveling because there is nothing. There's one rest stop. So you stop at that Dunkin' Donuts if you're ever on Route 75. And I remember kind of we were visiting with my mother-in-law, her saying, man, if you're crossing 75 you better make sure you have enough gas, right? Because that's a long haul. You better have enough gas and enough bladder control because there is nothing. That's the word essentially that he's using here. Am I enough? Am I sufficient? Do I have sufficient resources to get through this journey? And we had to ask, do we have enough gas going across Alligator Alley? But so many of us, we are looking at the journey and road of life and we're looking at our tank of resources constantly asking, man, do I have enough? I think that gauge can look different for many of us that can affect our confidence, right? As we're looking at this road ahead, man, where's my confidence that Do I have enough finances? Do I have enough money to make it through this journey? Man, do I have enough skills to survive in the workforce? Do I have enough perseverance to go through all these trials? We're looking at this long, winding road of life. And here's why we're riddled with anxiety. Whatever our tank is, no matter how full, it is limited. So I'm looking at the gauge of my limited resources, and I'm staring at the unlimited amount of possibilities of trials that could be thrown my way, and I'm going, I don't know if I have enough. I don't know if I have enough strength, finances, beauty, whatever it is that you measure that gives you your confidence. Do I have the smarts, the skills? And we wrestle and we get scared. Am I adequate? And to get our confidence, we need to rightly answer that question, am I enough? And now we have a choice. Am I going to embrace Maybe secular psychology or biblical theology? I heard Alistair Begg say that. Okay, so now do I embrace some popular therapy or unpopular theology? Because think about how the world is going to want you to answer that question. How does Paul answer the question, am I enough? Absolutely not. Not that we are sufficient in and of ourselves, to claim anything coming from us. Am I, by myself, able to get through this journey? Paul says, absolutely not. I think the message the world's going to give you, you are enough. If you just be better, work harder, get more, get smarter, get more education, get more, then if you work hard enough, you can be enough. How tiring is that? I remember watching a documentary. It was about kind of like overcoming things, and it ended with "trust your power." And I was like, "Okay, I don't think I have powers. Like, I, where are these powers? Like, I was never bitten by a radioactive spider. Like, I don't come from Krypton. I come from McKee's Rocks. They don't pass out powers. They give poverty where I'm coming from. Like, I don't have powers. What do you mean, trust your power?" And I'm not saying I'm worthless. Paul had skills. I'm not saying, you know, that, but I'm saying, do I have what it takes to achieve the mission God has given me? Paul was very clear. I'm not enough in and of myself. But I think so many of us, I think particularly men, we are terrified to have that kind of vulnerability to acknowledge. I'm not enough. I'm not enough to be able to be a parent, to be a husband, to be a pastor, to be a business owner, and I can kind of fool people at times. But it is scary, and some of us can never get to that place where we can admit that I don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. And so of, instead of embracing that biblical humility, we settle for worldly confidence. See, and we can't sit in that place too long, and I want to highlight kind of three ways I see in the passage that we can then push for kind of a worldly confidence. One, how do we get confidence, right? What did he say at the beginning? So do we have to commend ourselves? One translation said, so now do I have to brag about who I am? How much of that do you see in our world today? Man, i got to build my brand. i got to show everybody how good that I am, how impressive that I am. And so now we spend our days trying to impress everybody else to prove to this world that maybe I'm enough. I don't really believe it, but maybe if I can convince you of it, then that will give me confidence. And so we try to commend ourselves. We build ourselves up and try to convince ourselves that we actually believe that. Secondly, where did he address that Paul rejected as putting his confidence in? Are we commended by others? So is that where my confidence comes from? If another, enough people can recommend me, well, then somehow then that gives me confidence that maybe I am the real deal. It's not a bad thing to encourage somebody, but how many people, that is our foundation of our confidence, what others say about us. Let me put it this way. That's the starting point for all of us. All of us in this room, think about how much your confidence was impacted by what your parents did or didn't say. And think about how fickle that is to be in that place of looking to others to find our confidence. And yeah, our culture, we don't kind of still use the letters of recommendation system but don't we still in our culture chase letters for our own validation? Oh, but maybe, maybe I can become a CPA or maybe, maybe if I'm a CFO or a CEO or maybe, maybe if I get my PhD and then we could all eat a KFC and if I can get enough letters, maybe then. Like I don't feel qualified. So what, maybe if I can get some qualifications, if I can get a couple letters after my name. And that'll give me confidence. How much people are we chasing that we're still chasing letters to validate ourself? And maybe that doesn't resonate with you. But how many people are we chasing numbers to validate us? And maybe my net worth, maybe my nest egg. And if I can get enough of those high enough numbers, then I can feel confident and secure in who I am. I like this quote. Read this with me. Worldly rulers might bestow positions of responsibility on individuals, but such appointments can never give the competence to exercise authority effectively. God bestows both the authority and the competence. Somebody can give you a title, somebody can give you a degree. This is it's as meaningless as the Wizard of Oz end where he's just passing out degrees. Here, take one. Like, in the end, right, we talked about the difference in the passage between. You know, letters of recommendation written with ink on stone as opposed to with the spirit on our hearts. So you can try to chase all those things out there for validation, but we need confidence in here not dependent on those things. So we can still be chasing what other people say about us. And Lastly, I just kind of want to end here. We can continue on this exhausting journey of trying to be enough. Trying to prepare for every situation so that I can be confident that no matter what comes, no matter what pandemic, no matter what happens to the economy, I'm smart enough, I'm strong enough, I have enough resources that I can get through anything. It's tiring. I'm not a prepper. You know, you know that term, preppers like end times, guys? You know, like, man, I'm going pr- to be prepared. I'm going to have everything. And, you know, that's cool if that's your thing. But I'm not the guy that, like, hey, if the zombies are coming, now I have a straw that helps me drink my own urine, so I'm good. <laughs> I don't know. That's just not my thing. But how much? We just continue, okay, no matter what happens, I can get through it. I'm enough. I have what it takes. No matter what happens to my kids, I can handle it. No matter what happens to my business, I can handle it. And what happens to my health, I'm strong enough to get through it. And that is what the world says. Trust your power. You can do it. We go on this tiring journey looking at an unlimited amount of difficulties and our limited resources and our confidence wanes as we try to wrest with, am I enough, always avoiding the plain answer to the question that Scripture gives, not that we are sufficient In ourselves, to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient. Come to plain truth, I'm not enough. I alone don't have what it takes, but he does. To find that blessed peace and rest... In my inadequacy, I find my adequacy in Christ. Look, it's not my goal to make you think how inadequate you are. Like, grab a donut, you're inadequate, glad you came to church. That's not the goal. The goal is that you could find that blessed peace and confidence, and how do you get it? In him. And I can't get that kind of confidence until I first find humility I heard Alistair Begg say it this way. I want you ultimately to depend on God. That's the goal. And if dependence is the goal, then weakness is the advantage. I like this quote again by another commentator. God makes the inadequate to be adequate, the unqualified to be qualified, the incompetent to be competent. And this pattern dominates as one considers the call of other great leaders throughout redemptive history. By contrast, Paul points to God as the true source, both immediate and ultimate, for his adequacy in ministry. Thus, Paul's ministry draws on and flows from the sufficiency of God. And every time we turn to a sermon, we pray this prayer, I am not enough. The second any pastor, the second I stop believing that or praying that, fire me. Give me a warning first. Don't fire me right away, but give me a chance. But right, the second I believe that, my ministry is useless because it's being done on my own strength. As we talk about being on mission and you look at your journey ahead, do you feel inadequate? Do you feel like you are not enough? Perfect. You are perfectly positioned to experience the power of God in your life, to finally reject putting your confidence all in yourself and putting your confidence in Him. And there is so much peace and rest that comes from that. There's another verse I want to show you that just kind of reminds me of the peace that we could have. This is 2 Peter. Chapter 1, verse 3, his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That is all-encompassing. As you look at your journey ahead, God says, I promise to give you everything you need for life. Can you imagine the peace that would come over your soul right now if you believe that simple verse? that you embraced your insufficiency and sufficiency of Christ and found him to be the provider for every step of the way. So now you have a choice. Again, you can embrace worldly confidence of trying to be enough and have all the answers, or you can embrace good biblical theology which says, I am not, but he is sufficient, and he loves me as his child, and he is my father. It's kind of a random example, but I don't know why. I thought between these two guys to kind of contrast those different routes. On the left is Ken Jennings. I'm not even a Jeopardy guy, but he is the greatest Jeopardy contestant of all time. And on the right is Jamal from Slumdog Millionaire, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. If you don't know kind of the story at all, Ken Jennings, like the average winner makes like $15,000, you know, per episode. He made $4.5 million. He won 74 in a row. Like, it was crazy. He I'm not even a Jeopardy guy, but he has every answer, and you can go that route. Okay, no matter what is going to come my way, no matter what questions I face, I'm going to have the answer, and I can do it because I am enough, and I'm going to trust my power. I'm going to be like Ken Jennings. I'll have every single answer. The only problem is Ken Jennings is an alien. Nobody can do that. Like he has Wikipedia memorized and Wikipedia changes, which is impressive. Like it's insane. That's not real. Kind of the lie that society tells us that I can handle everything and I can do this. If you've seen the movie slumdog millionaire, it kind of, he goes on and he knows he's got no business being there. He was just a slum dog, a poor kid, and then it goes through the whole movie. Is how essentially every answer he needs is just given to him. So you can go and go the worldly route of try to brag about yourself and convince yourself and be enough, or you could realize you're not and just experience God's gracious provision of everything that you need. I could tell you one will lead to anxiety and fear, and you will be crippled by it, and one will give you the peace of God's abundant provision. I encourage you to find your confidence in him and your sufficiency from him. It's much more freeing. It's much more fun. I want to give a story. It's kind of funny being a pastor raised in a Catholic family, and so... Every time, like, we're back home and there's, like, a prayer, it's always that awkward. Like, do we let him do it? He gets paid to do this, but I don't know if he's going to pray. The, you know, bless us, O Lord, and he gives prayer. Like, and it's always kind of this awkward moment. Like, okay, we'll let him pray, but hopefully he does it okay. And so, this past fall, my grandfather passed away November 1st. And it was kind of, he lived a full life. He was mid-90s, wonderful life. But then instantly I'm like, well, if you've ever been to a Catholic Mass, like, it's a Mass. Like, I'm not legally allowed to do it. So I instantly was kind of like, okay, I'm sure I won't get the nod for this one. And so we go and we have kind of two services. We have the big Mass at the church, but then it was actually a long drive. My cousin almost got whacked in the kind of long procession. It was pretty crazy, and the graveside service was far away, far enough away to where it was a different parish. And so a different priest was going to do the different service. So we kind of had the mass, and then we go to the graveside service. And so we're going, and, you know, it's kind of oddly long, and I could tell, like, something's going on. So we're all kind of circled up. And then the funeral director finally comes up and goes, there's been a misunderstanding. There's no priest. There's no one to do the service. And then my whole family goes, huh? (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't got the incense shaker. Like, I don't even know what you guys do. So now, here I am on the spot, supposed to do a service for my grandfather that just passed away with about three minutes of preparation. How's my confidence meter? And I could actually tell you, in full honesty, I felt confident that moment. And it's not because I'm so gifted that I can just do a service out of my back pocket without any preparation. That had nothing to do with it. My confidence is that God gave me what I needed. I'm just telling you what happened. Three days, or I don't remember the amount of days, a couple days before, I wake up in the middle of the night, and I go, if I were to do it, here's what I would do. And I write out the whole thing. I'm just telling you, when I get there, and this is before, again, it's, imp- I, it's not even an option for me to be able to do this service, right? And it was fall, and they had a, kind of the big setup here, and there was a valley over there. And before we knew anything, I'm just telling you, I walked over, and it, I'm watching the leaves in this big ravine, and I'm just telling you, God premier- prepared me. I'm just like, I'm going to do this service. And I walk back, and my family all... Huh? Like, do you want to do the service? I said, I'd be glad to. And even prepared, I still cried, like ugly cried because my grandfather was like, <laughs> <laughs> But I'm telling you, God gave me what I needed. Why are you going to continue to try to feel like you can do it all yourself and rest in the confidence of God that whatever you need, whether it be a service on the spot or whether it be financial provision that if you seek first the kingdom of God, whatever you need will be provided for you. I promise that is a better way. If you are a Christian, remember the blessed rest that we have that we don't need to be enough, that we can depend on him and he will give you what you need. And I want to encourage you, if you've never experienced that, If you're not a Christian and you've still been pursuing that exhausting, tiring, worldly confidence of trying to be enough and build up your brand and get enough qualifications, I invite you into that blessed rest of finding your confidence in Christ. And I will tell you that just as the same, it's the same answer of, am I enough to be used by God? And am I enough to be loved by God? If you're not a Christian, it is not about being enough so God will love you. Did you see that verse? The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The letter is that standard that we're supposed to live up to. The letter essentially is religion, all the things you need to do so that you can be enough for God. And God says, don't do that. That'll kill you. There's nothing but death of trying to be good enough. I'm not saying you don't put any effort. I'm not just saying let go and let God. But I am saying if you're trying to be good enough so God will love you, just like the letter, that will kill. But the Spirit gives life. Whether it be for the first time or just as you continually do that as a Christian. Would you just come to that place of surrender? I am not enough. I'm not enough to prove myself to God. I'm not enough to be used by God for the mission he has given me. And once you realize that, you can surrender to him and plug in to the infinite reservoir of God's grace and resources. He's longing to pour out on you. Would you only Put your confidence in him. Confidence toward Christ and sufficiency from Christ. Will You bow your heads and pray. Father, it is scary to admit that we are not enough. I don't have what it takes to make it through this crazy journey of life. God, I thank you that you are the sufficient one, that you are enough. God, would your spirit give us the courage to reject finding our sufficiency apart from you and recognize that we are not enough, but you are, and we trust you in Jesus' name.